Good morning. Welcome this morning to Willow Park Church. If you're new here, uh, you've been given instructions about we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to meet with you. We'd love to talk to you. And uh, it is summer here at Willow Park Church. I think uh, Pastor Zach, the worship pastor, is away. Pastor Curtis is away. Pastor Jeremy's away. Pastor Glenn's away. So if you have any pastoral problems, go to Evangel. Uh, but... <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm here, okay? I'm the last pastor standing. So, uh, <laughs> and, and, and Luke's an apprentice pastor. Uh, you know, yes, you told them that you're leaving as well. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's going to MCC. I mean, that's fantastic. So, uh, we're really excited about that. Did his two year apprenticeship, and, um, and now he's um, off. With MCC, but of course, he'll still be around and, and preaching and, and, and stepping in for worship and so on. So, thank you, Luke, and for all of that. Well, um, just a couple of things. First of all, I'd like to welcome some people uh, before we go online. I'd like to welcome uh, Brian and Connie Thompson, who are here. I don't know if they're around, if they're like, there they are. Just stand up there. They're pastors from Red Deer. Give them a round of applause. Um, now, you know, we always say we build our church on prayer. Well, Brian Thompson, when I was 18 years old, I came into his church in Red Deer. And uh, just as an 18-year-old traveling across Canada as part of a group. And one Saturday morning, he said to me, do you want to go and do you want to learn how to pray? I was like, yeah, sure. So he grabbed me and took me down to his basement. And for one hour, he prayed. I'd never prayed for an hour in my life. Never. He took me through the Lord's Prayer, step by step, bit by bit. Our Father prayed for 10 minutes. Who art in heaven, prayed about that for 10 minutes. Um, uh, forgive us our sins, prayed about that for half an hour. Uh, prayed, prayed all the way through. And, uh, and, and at the end of it, I was like, whoa, I've never prayed for an hour. And then, and then from that point on, I don't know if you remember that kind of, uh, there was a preacher, I don't know. I want to say Larry Lee, but I don't know, who was, who was preaching, will we, preaching in the States, will you not tarry for an hour and prayer? And I could barely pray for like five minutes. You know what your brain is like? And that was before TikTok. And I could barely pray for a few minutes. One minute I'm, I'm praying and then I'm thinking about McDonald's and then I'm thinking about this and then I'm thinking about something else, you know, that... 17-year-old boys shouldn't think about. And then I'm praying and I'm, 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 I'm going, oh, Lord, forgive me. And I thought prayer was like a game of snakes and ladders. You go up and then if you think something bad, you go all the way down. And then you have to start again and then you go all the way down, right? But we know that's not true. We know that what prayer is, prayer is a wonderful, beautiful relationship with God. And it's that intimacy, and it's not a game of snakes and ladders. It's a journey where in life we journey with God and we grow with God. So thank you, Brian, for that and um, for dragging me into your unrenovated, unrenovated basement at the time. Uh, and I thought he might, I was going to, I don't know. Uh, but it, what a blessing that was. Also, uh, for those who are interested, my brother's here this morning on the front row. First time in Canada. First time in Canada, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's nice to uh, have him. 
and his family, and so I've been showing them Kelowna. We've been going everywhere. So it's been amazing. Uh, I'm going to welcome downtown who's going to join us. Hey. So um, we're glad that you joined us and we're glad that you are there. I know Pastor Glenn's away and so you're going to get me uh, to, uh, today. And so I'm so glad that you are with us and we're blessed by that. Uh, we're going to start from verse 9 in chapter 17. I taught on the first few verses of course, of this part of the prayer. Last week, we talked about the relationship that, that Jesus is explaining and working through in those first verses from verse 1 through to verse 9 about the relationship that he enjoys, the relationship that he enjoys with the Father. And this is what is achieved. He came to glorify the Father and, and through his life to give everything. And of course, the word father at the beginning of the prayer is a word of intimacy. It's a word of closeness. It's a word of that beautiful closeness and intimacy uh, that is used six times in the Jonine gospel. It's used six times to denounce the intimate relationship between a son and a father. And of course, today we have that intimate relationship between us. We have that intimate relationship between us and the Father within our lives. And it's so, so fantastic that we have that. And of course, he came at this point in time, this era, to fulfill what he was going to fulfill on the cross. But there's that lovely moment when he talks here that he comes and he gives the gifts of, of um of eternal life, that I've come to grant you the gift of eternal life. And I love that uh, idea and that fact that real eternal life, if you are looking for eternal life, the only way to receive eternal life is utterly and completely through, through Jesus Christ. He grants us eternal life. He gives us eternal life. He is there for us. And of course, he talks about that. And the reason Jesus came was to reveal the glory of the Father. And our calling in our life, of course, is to always reveal the kingdom of God, the glory of the Father and who God is. So we're going to pick it up where many of your Bibles change gear at verse 6. We're going to change at verse 9. Because now Jesus says, I pray for them. Also, I want to welcome the Crandalls who are here, our missionaries from YWAM, and they're here with us. So it's great to see you as well. Don't want to miss, miss you out. They've been in Mexico. They're, they're on their journey. They've got more exciting uh, adventures in missions. So do say hi to them as well. Um, but let's start at verse 9. I pray for them. Here Jesus changes gear in verse 9 and says, I pray for them. What is he praying for them? I pray for the flock. I pray for the flock. I pray for those who have received, as it were, my voice and know my voice in their life. I pray for them. He's starting to pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those who you have given me, for they are yours. I want to remind you that it's the most precious gift that every one of us has is that we hear God's voice within our lives. As, as Christians, that whisper, the knowledge of God's word, 
Even you may be considering that you're lost, whether you're here, here at Highway 33 or at downtown church. Maybe you're on a journey, but let me tell you that when you give your life to Jesus, you enter into a relationship where God speaks to us, where we have that living relationship through the power of the Holy Spirit and that God is with us. He says, I'm praying for this group of people who have recognized my voice and know my voice in my life. Do not take that for granted. The day you gave your life to Jesus Christ was the greatest day. And the only way that you became a Christian was that you recognized the voice of Jesus Christ. Some people say you can't hear God's voice today. Well, that's ridiculous because how can you be born again and saved if you can't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, the great evangelist, bring you to Jesus Christ? Of course you can hear God's voice today because we have a living relationship with God that is there. But what Jesus is actually saying in this first verse, he's actually reminding us that they've been given, they're the Father's. And not only are they fathers, but they are precious to the father and the responsibility is moved to the son and they are precious to God. These disciples are immensely precious to God. They are loved. They are cared for. They are so special. How I wish every Christian would understand how much they are loved by God. How much each one of us have that God looks at us, that we are precious in his sight, that we are accepted, that we are not, it can be so negative, we can be so down on ourselves, and yet the father heart of God is that every one of us is precious, every one of us is important to him. But you might say, well, why does he say, but I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. Does that mean that God doesn't care for the world? Is he saying, I'm not praying for the world, forget the world, let's just pray for the disciples? No. The whole of the gospel and the whole of scripture is about the fact that God loves the world. And the Jonah message of the gospel of John is this. It is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but can receive what? eternal life. He's the only one that grants eternal life. And so at this point he's praying for his disciples, but he absolutely and completely loves the world. He loves the world so much, that's why he came to save the world. That's why in the teachings of John he speaks about life, that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. That Jesus is the bread of life. That Jesus is the one who is the resurrection and the life. That Jesus is the gate. He's the way we receive it. Of course God loves the world. Of course God loves the whole of creation of this world. And we are called to know that. But he's coming towards the completion of his task. And what he's doing in this verse is very simply praying for those who are left behind. It's going to be tough for them. It's tough when he leaves through the cross as he faces the, the condemnation of the authorities. As he faces all that he's going to face, he is praying for those that are left behind. And in a sense, in these next 10 verses or so that I'm going to unpack with you for a few minutes, 
I want you to understand that you are getting an echo of what is on heaven's mind. Because what Jesus Christ is praying is what truly is on the heart and the mind of God. It's what, is, what Jesus is, is, is interceding. He understands, and I don't believe this prayer has changed now in the glories. When he looks at the bride of Christ, when he looks at the church, the aspects of this prayer are so important because it reminds us of what the main things are, the main things in terms of the heart of God towards his church. What are the main things that are taking place? So he starts, he starts to pray for them. Of course, there's that whole relationship of, is that I have lived to glorify the Father. Now the disciples will glorify Jesus. And in turn will glorify the Father. And I said it last week and I'll say it again. Our life, humbly, is about glorifying Jesus. We live our lives to glorify him. We live our lives to look to him. We live our lives. How do we glorify Jesus? By our characteristics. Christians, we are called to be very different people through the characteristics of our faith, through the way that we love, through the way that we care, through the way that we, are, we understand our relationships. We are committed to each other. We love each other. We are connected to each other and we, we grow the fruit of the Spirit within our lives. We are called to be very unique individuals. We are called in our lives to show the characteristic of God within our hearts. So all I have is yours and all you have is mine. That relationship of glorifying and glory has come to me through them has come to me. I will remain in the world no longer. I'm, completion is happening, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Notice there are a number of things in verse 11 that capture the first two points of what is on God's heart in this prayer. Number one is that he prays that they may be one. He prays for unity. Unity with God and unity with each other. You see, what the Lord Jesus Christ is praying for is that we would be one, committed. We don't abandon each other. We support each other. We love each other. We back each other. We have the beautiful unity of the body of Christ, right? And yet Jesus is praying that they would be one. And it's a challenge for our church today in all circumstances that we commit to one another and that it's so easy to be divided. It's so easy, like in Mark chapter 10, to talk about who's going to be greatest and the throne and sitting on the throne. Can I be next to you? Like, like James and John's mother came to Jesus and said, hey, you know when, when it all happens and the glory comes, can my sons be right next to you? And we want promotion. We, and often it can be division or squabbles take place or we abandon each other. I always think of this and last week I told you a bear story. I thought I'd tell you another one this week. 
particularly with the downtown campus joining us with um, Pastor Glenn. I went for a prayer walk with Pastor Glenn, and uh, I feel a little bit bad about this, but not that bad. Uh, but I went for a walk with Pastor Glenn. We went out into the bush. We walked along, and it was, and we were praying and talking and everything. And we looked, and I said, "Is that a bear?" He said, "Yeah, that's a bear." I said, "Oh, interesting." And then the bear started to follow us. So we were kind of standing there. It was a black bear, not a grizzly. I like last week's story. And the bear started to come. And, and we were like, OK, we know what to do. And we walk in, then, then the bear would turn and stand up, look at us. And I'd look at Glenn. He'd look at me. I said, Glenn, I've faced this loads of times. Loads of times. Just stay cool. Just keep walking. We're absolutely fine. Walked on, hallelujah, Jesus. Looked around, the bear was there. The bear looked at us, came us. I said, don't have to worry, Glenn. You're absolutely fine. We'll keep going. Not that he was worried. I'm not saying he was worried. <laughs> we'll see if he watches the sermon. Uh, but it's okay, Glenn, it's absolutely fine. And then the bear stood up and started moving towards us. And I thought, hmm, it's not okay. So I started jogging the other way. And Glenn looked around and said, Where's Phil? <laughs> I thought he was going to follow me as I started trotting away, but he didn't. He was like, it's like the rapture had come and he's left with a bear. At that moment, he said, great. No, I'm sorry. Glenn, I apologise to downtown campus. I left, left, left. It was fine. Uh, but it's not about abandoning. It's not about... That, it's about actually realising that we are called to be together and that when we're together in unity as a church, as a body of Christ in our nation, we can see God do great things. And Jesus prays that we would be united. He prays that we will not squabble. He prays that we will not fight for to be dominant. He prays that we will gather together and stick together and believe together and keep pushing and keep moving and keep going. And yet after COVID, of course, the church is in crisis. After COVID, we've discovered that, that actually people disappear. We discover that things go, you know, oh, What's happened there? What's taking place here? We've all had the great shaking and what took two years to dismantle in British Columbia will probably take five years to rebuild. But the heart of Jesus is praying in heaven. Will they stay united? Will they stay committed? Will they not squabble? Will they not argue? Will they stay together and hold on? And that's a challenge for all of us, isn't it? Thomas Brooks, the great Puritan preacher, said this, It is one thing to have a wolf to come and worry and rip through the flock of Christ, but it's another thing when sheep turn on each other and attack each other. That is monstrous. I love that thought. We're not called to attack each other because the prayer of heaven is unity. We're not called to polarise against each other because the prayer of heaven is unity around orthodoxy and around the power of the gospel to change the world. We must be careful that we don't get bogged down in secondary issues when we need to keep the main thing the main thing. 
saw a lot of, a lot of sheep in England when I did my 200 mile walk, if I've mentioned that. For those who are downtown, I went for a 200 mile walk across Britain in June. It's fabulous, 27,000 feet elevation, beautiful fields, mountains, great. But lots of sheep. But they were so lovely to watch. They were everywhere. Everywhere. But it would be, it'd be like a horror movie when a sheep turns into a wolf and tears other sheep to pieces, wouldn't it? And Thomas Brooks got it right. We've got to love each other. We've got to be unified. We've got to believe together. And we've got to, God, and this is what Jesus is praying for. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me. Notice the second thing is protect them by the power of your name. So not only are we to be united as believers, but we are also have to realise that we need protection because we have an enemy and we are in a spiritual battle and there is a battle between light and darkness and Satan exists and there is a battle that takes place and you only have to look at the trauma, the pain, the injustice, the darkness that is in the world that we realise that we are in a spiritual battle and the prayer of heaven is will the church stay united and the prayer of heaven is will you protect them Lord? We need to pray for protection, to gather together. We need to believe and pray and pray that God will, will protect us, surround us and be over us. I always like to tell the story, if you've heard this, I apologise because I do sometimes repeat my stories, but having Chris here reminds me of the time when I was just about seven and... Um, and I was being chased by a big group of lads through the English housing estate where I was. And they were, they were chasing me, they're throwing stones at me. I think I've still got a scar here from a stone that hit me at that, that boom. And, and I was like panicking and worried. And, and as I was running, I bumped into this great big stomach. And the stomach, I looked over it, had no shirt on. It was a summer's day in England. It was just one day. And at that moment, <laughs> up above me was, was my dad. And he was standing there with a rake. And all the kids stopped who were chasing me. There were about 15 of them. They went, shh. And then my dad looked at them and he, he grabbed me. And I remember he pushed me behind his big back. It was just little. And I poked my head out behind him as he was holding his rake. And, he, um, and I was waving at them. Going, <laughs> said, and then my dad said the famous words in our family, get away from my son or I'll get you with the rake. <laughs> oh yeah. I felt very confident at that moment. I mean, today he'd be arrested. But... <laughs> I was in the shadow of the Father and he was protecting me. Do you know what? The Father stands over you and you need to be reminded this, that you may be under attack, you may be facing crisis, you may be facing the battle, but you have the name of God over you and the name of God is your refuge. 
He protects you. He is over you. He loves you. He is there. He is standing there as your refuge. And Jesus prays that in the battle that you will be protected by God. Maybe, of course, in Scripture and the Old Testament, it is the name is a representative of the character of a person. It's a character of God, the attributes of God, of who God is and what is happening. The name of God is a refuge for us. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Amen? That we trust in God. We know that God's presence and God's power is at work. And that this is where we find. So if you're in the battle, the place to run is the refuge. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. It's the power of God's name. The banner that is over us, that is present in that name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Notice how it weaves together between unity, oneness and protection because when you are one together, you defeat an enemy. When you're alone, you don't win the war. You don't, you're in the battle. And in our individualistic Society, so many people have personalised their Christian faith to being alone, but it is impossible because it is not New Testament to do Christian faith alone. We need each other to keep growing in God. We need each other to fight the battle. We need each other to stand over. And Jesus, this is what Jesus is praying for you. Stay unified. You know the power of unity. When it comes to your family, to your business, to your staff, to what you face, unity makes all of the difference. So I will remind in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you, to the Father. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Trinitarian theology, right there, they are one, but this is applied to the body of Christ. It's applied to the body, that we may be one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, Judas, of course, so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Remind you that the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit enables us to keep battling through life's problems. It's a joy that is within us that is given by the power and the baptism and the wonder of the Holy Spirit within our lives. So every one of us should seek every day to be filled afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. You notice that he brings out the theme of unity. He brings out the theme of of protection, and now we have the theme of holiness. That we are called 
to be in the world, but not of the world, and called to be a different people, and called to be a holy people, and allow our lives. And how do we become holy? Well, of course, here it talks about we become holy through truth and through the word of God. And isn't it true that our characters are formed as we allow scripture and the truth of scripture to muse within our lives and we come close to God, we memorize scripture, we understand scripture, we allow the theology and the truth of it to invade us. And what does it do? It transforms us into a people that are holy. Through our confession of our sins, through forgiveness, through breaking the strongholds that may be in our lives, through the areas where we battle with and bringing those to Jesus, through his truth and through his words, we live and we become a holy people that are in the world, but we're not of the world. And so much we could say about that. And yet we realise, don't we, that we need the Lord to come and work in our lives, that we live a holy life. Holiness is about being whole. And being whole is allowing the Lord to heal every aspect of our life. Our damage, our insecurities, our fears, our weaknesses our repetitive sins that we just are ashamed of, but we want God to come to us. And so he comes and he prays for their holiness. He prays that we're a different kind of people, marked by the characteristics that we allow God to change us. And that's why we run Set Free in October and we run our teaching programs to help you find that freedom within your life. And if you're at the downtown campus, Check out the next set free. Because so often we're carrying baggage in our round in our life that really we should not be carrying. Because the promise of scripture is, is that we can be transformed by truth and by the word of God. That we can know this transformation. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. That's part of this theme of all these chapters. For they are not of the world anymore then I am of the world. I mean, can I ask you a question? Do you feel of the world? Do you feel that there's more? Of course you do. Do you sense that there's something more that God is doing? My prayer is not that you, may, that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one, from Satan. They are not of this world, even as I am not of it. I mean, I love the world. I love life and joy. We live in one of those beautiful places in the world, don't we? You know, it's fantastic. Lovely. And we, even, we live in Rutland, which is even better. I just love, love it, love living. But you know, there is part of me that longs for the one day when the Lord returns and he will put everything right. There's a part of me that longs for that day when God will put everything in his return and everything will be put so right. It is so magnificent. It is so glorious. It is so wonderful. Yeah, I love the world, but somehow we often feel like strangers. We feel like, where do we belong? Well, that's because we know that we belong to eternity. 
that we belong to heaven, that he has given us the gift and granted us the gift of eternal life. And maybe at this moment you're feeling lost. You're feeling as if you need something. You need more. Or maybe it's time for you to get right with Jesus, to receive the gift of eternal life. Because God loves you. God accepts you. Let's finish the verses. And they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them, the holiness, by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by your word. Change them. And as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctified myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Notice his mission. Is that Jesus is describing that their purpose will be to be shaped into mission to go into the world with the good news. So what is going on in heaven right now? What is going on in the heart of God for us as a people? What is going on in the heart for Willow Park Church and our campuses? What is God reminding us here? Well, he's reminding us that really we are called to be one. We are called for unity. We are called to work together because God has uniquely brought us together. Equally, God has called us to work with other churches in our city and in our province to work together because the church is always stronger when we are united in prayer. And when we're united and we love each other, all the shapes, all the denominations, all the differences, yes, we understand there is that, but there is something beautiful about being united under the flag of the gospel, declaring the mission of God, being shaped by God and believing that we can actually see Tens of thousands of people come into the kingdom of God and be born again. So he's praying that we will get our act together and get united. That we'll forgive each other. That we'll stop being that strange sheep that attacks people. Because they don't exist. I've never been attacked by a sheep, but I have also never been attacked by a bear. But I've been scared, <laughs> scared uh, by a bear on occasions. That we're in a battle and we need protection. That we're a different people who are sanctified and holy and we're living with that passion and that connection to be transformed in our lives. To be so close to God that holiness is not something that's horrible. Holiness is beautiful because we are made in his presence. And finally, we are on mission, mission, mission. And I remember when we prayed at the members meeting, prayed for the downtown campus. And at the end of it, when the vote was passed, I got up and I spoke and I just simply said, success is marked by the amount of people that we baptise. That we are called in Matthew 28 to therefore go into all the world and make disciples, right? We need to be a discipleship-making church. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
baptizing them and believing. And that what we've got to remind ourselves is the heart of God, the mission of God to be shaped. So if there's prayers echoing in glory in heaven today, it's that the church would be one. It's the church would be protected, that we would be protected under the name of God and that we would be a people transformed into holiness and that we would be a people who are shaped by mission and calling. So wherever you've been placed, whatever job you are in, wherever profession you have, wherever you are in life, The Lord's prayer for us is that we may be shaped by his calling and by his mission. And we may awaken again to know that in our lives. So let's let's pause now. I'm going to ask Luke to come. And as he comes, he's going to introduce a new song. And we're just going to pause and stay seated as he starts to sing this and maybe Teach us, and at the opportune moment, Luke will invite us to stand. But just as I finish off, and we let the downtown campus go, just as I finish off, can I challenge all of us to really consider the unity question about where we may hold resentment and bitterness towards other Christians and about releasing them and forgiving them. Can I challenge you that if you're feeling like you're in a battle to come and reconnect with the Lord under his name? Can I challenge you to allow truth and his word and his spirit practicing the ancient practices of confession and forgiveness, breaking strongholds and allowing the Lord to shape your life. And when you're shaped, ask the Lord, what is my mission? Who am I called to? We heard about Susanna Wesley last week who raised 10 children alone and one of them was Charles and the other was John Wesley. She'd pray with her apron on over her head. It's the only place she could get. But she believed God. And her mission and her calling was to raise her ten children, of which that two of them went on to bring the British Isles to revival and plant Methodist churches throughout Britain, throughout the world. 80 million members of the Methodist church today as a result of one woman called for her mission with her apron on, praying for her children and raising them in the Lord. Well, I don't know what your mission is, but let the Holy Spirit guide you because you have a purpose in life to make a difference in this world. To make a difference in this world.